The saga of Lafayette's police chief problems continues to unfold. I'm your host, Darla Montgomery, and in today's exclusive podcast with former police chief Thomas Glover, he speaks very openly and directly about the process of his termination and having to appeal it. He admits he was in the midst of police reform only to be stopped by the sudden and unexpected firing. Now on 10 Talks Acadiana. 10 Talks Acadiana. The podcast powered by KLFY.com. Hello, Acadiana. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast, 10 Talks Acadiana. We welcome back. Uh, joining us today is a former Lafayette Police Chief Thomas Glover. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. Thank you. To be with us. We are continuing our conversation with him. News 10's Dalford Jones, I think, in interviewed you um, very close after you were terminated from the Lafayette Police Department. And as many reports, and we've reported, it was without reason or cause. Uh, and of course, we all contacted. Uh, the media, that is, contacted the LCG offices to find out what happened. You mentioned a lot in that podcast with Dalford Jones. Today, we find you now, a uh, few weeks after that termination, almost a month, I would say, perhaps, uh, that you are now appealing to the Civil Service Board. I think a lot of folks want to know how is that possible at this point, and why are you doing it? Well, actually, um I'm appealing the process because I was not confirmed. I do not have civil service rights. But after I reached the six month mark, some procedural guidelines or rights kicked into place, uh, i.e. Um, I can appeal the fact that I wasn't given enough time to, I guess, achieve the goals and objectives that the LCG administration set out for me, which is impossible because they never gave me any goals and objectives. On September 13th, they talked to me, which was alleged to be some type of evaluation, but it was simply a set of interview notes from December 18th, 2020. And they interviewed me based on the notes from my employment uh, interview. I'm like, wow, what is this? I should have had an evaluation on March the 31st, July 1st, and October 1st. Uh, the LCG policy uh, is stated explicitly in what is called the LCG's PPM, mm -hmm. a personnel policy manual, as well as there's a separate document referred to as the actual uh, Lafayette Consolidated Government's Performance Manual. And it requires that I receive evaluations. And the only two departments in the entire city that although they are appointed at the pleasure of the mayor, they have a little different guidelines and that's the sworn police department, which I was a part of, and the sworn fire department. They are governed by Louisiana state civil service law. And that entire process was thrown out the window in fact, since I was last here, I got a document in the mail at, uh, I guess, sort of surprisingly, it did state that I was terminated, mm -hmm. but then at the bottom it stated, explain 
reason, rationale, it had nothing. This did not come from the administration of LCG. It actually came from, I guess you would call it the Louisiana Workforce Commission or mm -hmm. the state agency that regulates employment in Baton Rouge. So they still didn't give a reason to the uh, Workforce Commission. So I'm, I'm baffled and that's mainly what I'm appealing uh, as an employee and a citizens of this country, I am entitled to what is called due process. And most documents that list what steps you're supposed to go through, mm -hmm. they're supposed to be equally applied to anybody who works in that position simply because it's the law and they violated the law. So I am uh, appealing that process. And so let's uh, explain just a little bit further for folks who aren't familiar with the process and civil service and how all that works. It's my understanding that you were just a few days from having that protection as a, uh, under the civil service. Explain how that has brought you where you are right now. Well, the civil service law in the state of Louisiana gives you full protection once you've reached one year of service. I was a little over 90 days from that. The actual civil service law states that you can be confirmed and you can receive that civil service protection any time after your six month anniversary on up to that year. It also states that if you're not confirmed that the appointing authority must notify the civil service board, which is a local board mm -hmm. here in the city of Lafayette as to the reasons why, explain it, and it also says you would tell the impacted employee the same thing. Did that happen? No, it has not yet. Um, I keep hearing in the media that, oh, it's a, civil, uh, it's a human resources mm -hmm. issue or it's a civil service or it's a legal issue. I've actually reached out over two weeks now to the, civil, uh, to the human resources director, and he had no response for me. So... Uh, that's what I'm appealing. That's why we where I'm at now. I would assume that the Civil Service Board is going to say that I don't have the right to have an appeal. I don't know, but the law is clear and you cannot violate the state law whether you want me as chief or not. There is a legal process that you must follow. And not only did they not follow that legal process here in the state of Louisiana, they violated two civil service statutes they also did not follow their local internal process. Let's talk about that because you mentioned that in past interviews, you actually came up with your own plan of action or policy, if you will, um, uh, I would guess issues that, that you wanted to address, that you needed to correct in regards to police reform. Yes, uh, there are a number of things that went on in the Lafayette Police Department prior to my arrival. And during the interview process, I was asked about some of the issues that needed to be corrected. Uh, and during my interview process where I was actually selected, those things came out. So when I did not get any goals and objectives for the actual performance that uh, I was expected to have as chief of police, I actually came up with about 13 goals and objectives myself, and I submitted them to the administration in late January, early February, and that's what I was working toward. That's what I was achieving. And I actually had accomplished 10 of those. A lot of them dealt with uh, making sure that the department was properly staffed. 
this department right now is below the level it should have been at 20 years ago. So staffing is wow. pretty bad here. Uh, there was no hiring or recruiting that took place uh, months, months, almost a year before I got here. So at the date of my termination, I'd hired somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 officers and I had another 30 to 35 in the process. So the staffing was an issue, but also we had to do community policing. Mm -hmm. There is no department in this country that can ever be successful without the community backing it. And it's been tried and proven all out uh, history. And so I instituted community policing goals. Every officer in the police department had to do at least one community service event or action or act a week. And I would follow up. I wouldn't ask them about it every week, but mm -hmm. sometimes I'd ask every two to three weeks, but I was making sure that was done. Uh, what concerns me most that I didn't get a chance to fully implement because they fought it, that's, uh, I had what is known as compliance or inspections. This is something that the citizens in this city ought to be concerned about because the Lafayette Police Department has a potential for somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to $10 million in liability claims for improper policing or for some type of action that a police officer performed. The compliance position that I'm referring to mandated that every use of force that was filled out in a, I guess you would call it a use of force form, mm -hmm. which is a written document, that it had to match up with the body camera. So I had an officer who specifically his full-time job was to look at the body camera, then look at the written document and make sure they matched up. And there were instances where I found that they weren't matching up. That's an issue where I think the citizens need to make sure that we do not, we do not stop that process. And I believe the next day after I was terminated, October 8th, they cut the position out and transferred the person out of headquarters back to the patrol division who was doing that. So that's one I think they should look at. The other one I, um, is called public integrity. There are very few departments around this country that don't have processes set up to where if a police officer commits a criminal violation, they can be investigated. And when I got to Lafayette, there was no such position in the Lafayette Police Department. They have a, a group of people that we all know internal affairs, but they only investigate administrative or policy violations. They don't investigate criminal, criminal. violations. In fact, it's a violation of the law to mix the two, you know, mm -hmm. way back since 1969. So I started a public integrity officer whose sole primary responsibility was anytime a Lafayette police officer was accused of an offense that was criminal in nature that he or she would be investigated by this public integrity officer. So that was stopped. And that's something that's pretty scary uh, because within five hours after I arrived as the chief of police, one of my first actions was to put an officer on administrative leave for a criminal violation committed on camera where he struck someone eight times in the upper body, head, face, and neck area. And that's a criminal offense. In fact, that person is in the criminal justice process right now that they've been filed on. And so we didn't have anybody to do the criminal investigation. We had a detective from another area from property crimes to conduct that investigation. So that's the type of thing I think that's going to 
move us, uh, move the Lafayette Police Department in the city of Lafayette backwards. And I, I think the citizens ought to say that we won't stand for that. We need this police department doing the best job that it can. But you can do the best job available without breaking the law and without breaking the rules. And right now, I think that um, the citizens are going to be surprised to know that the public integrity position has been reassigned as well as the compliance, compliance. or inspections position. And that's a no-no. I just think it's something that uh, this city will end up in a major legal fight or in some unwarranted action if we don't have that type of process. It sounds pretty impactful uh, that going forward that and how this can you know impact our, our community. So when you look at um, what you have accomplished, you said out of your 13 goals um, and, and two now being removed, so I guess it's, it's even less now at this point. When you look at that, what overall um, do you see in Lafayette, the city that you've grown to love? You, you, you made a promise to the folks of Lafayette um, and, and to, for police reform because it was so desperately needed. So now with this process and your appeal, looking at the experience of the six to nine months that you had and where you are today, what is it most that you want the people of Lafayette to know, to understand, number one, about Thomas Glover, number two, about moving uh, Lafayette forward? Uh, first of all, I'd like to say that the most impactful thing to me as a new citizen in the city of Lafayette is the good nature of the people here. They genuinely want everything to be fair and upfront. They want to move forward. I saw that on all four corners of this uh, wonderful, outstanding city. The other thing is I'll say that um, in terms of who Thomas Glover was, after 40 years uh, celebrated, decorated career, I relocated and moved to Lafayette with the intent of bringing some things to Lafayette that needed. There is a need for police reform. I was hired to do that and once I started acting that reform, I was met with resistance from a small group of people compared to the almost 340 or 50 employees on the department. Probably 15, 20, 25 officers. Uh, I call them a cabal, uh, mm -hmm. which is a secret organization or whatever, mm -hmm. that it consists of people at all ranks, command level ranks, captains, lieutenants, sergeants, detectives, patrol officers, their sole mission was to stop and usurp what I was doing. I was working for the people and they didn't have the best interests of this community at hand. If they did, they would have joined with me and moved forward. There is a definite need in the city of Lafayette for police reforms, uh, particularly in the area of dealing with people who are going through critical incidents. We got all of this training, we got all of this training, we got all this money to do this training, <laughs> excuse me. Mm -hmm. And I was moving forward with that. I was also moving forward with making sure that if you broke the rules or if you broke the law to enforce the law, then you had to deal with the disciplinary process. And when that happened, I gave the citizens of Lafayette what was legally necessary, and that's to rid the police department of anyone who breaks the law or breaks the rules to enforce the law. You don't have to do it. They can peacefully coexist at the same time. 
you can have a very outstanding, robust, assertive police department without having people who break the rules and who want the department to stay you know, where it was at 30 years ago. In fact, I was told that by an officer who says, Chief, we just want things to go back the way they were. And wow. my response to him was, that can't happen. Uh, possibly right now, it could probably lean back, but I do think that the eyes of America on Lafayette now, I tell people that all the time, Lafayette was put on the map on August 22nd, 2020. So people are looking at this city, so you can't do things that you did prior to May 25th of 2020. Policing totally changed, and that's what I think a group of officers inside the Lafayette Police Department fail to realize that you must, you have to, you are legally bound to police differently than what you did a year and a half ago. And that met with resistance, even though I was told by the mayor consistently that I got your back, I got your back. In fact, he told me whatever we did in order to reform the police department, mm -hmm. if it was ever challenged, he was willing to take it all the way to the Supreme Court. And so I believe that. And I came into Lafayette with the intent of making sure this fine city and this great department had something that when people look at it, it would serve as an example throughout this country. And I think we've been cut short on that because there were people inside the police department who had different ideas. They wanted things to stay the way they were. They were comfortable working the hours that they wanted to work, doing whatever they wanted to do, moving to any position they wanted to in the police department. And so when that nest egg was disturbed, uh, they targeted me and uh, I believed sincerely that I had the backing of this community. I know I do. The clergy, the business people, mm -hmm. uh, educators, the children, I've been there and I've been in the community and I've seen a tremendous amount of support since this happened. Do you want your job back? Uh, I'm not prepared to answer that. Uh, I would not be able to work as chief of police under the same conditions mm -hmm. that I left under. And what I mean by that is there were things that, that I proposed be done for the good of the city and for the good of the community it wasn't done based on race, gender, nationality, religion, or whatever it was done on what's best for the city. And I was stopped. For example, one of the things that I wanted to do mm -hmm. that I felt would control youth violence or help control it is I wanted to partner with the local workforce organization here who had hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, to hire young teens to do summer employment. There's an old saying in the community that originated in L.A., I believe, back in the game days. It says, mm -hmm. nothing stops a bullet like a good job. And I believed in that philosophy, and I was prepared to move forward, and I was stopped. And I couldn't understand why I was stopped. Uh, additionally, I wanted to have a 24-hour hotline set up the same way we have a suicide prevention line. I wanted to do a youth violence hotline to where someone who's being bullied, someone who was being picked on, was about to probably face some tough decisions and mm -hmm. get involved in maybe gang life or a criminal activity. 
where they could call and get some counseling and talk to people and be curbed and pushed into the right direction. I was never allowed to do that. That's one of the things that I think uh, was most near and dear to me. And last but not least, mm -hmm. in terms of the youth violence, I propose that we set up a volunteer center on an experimental basis. And my hope was to move it and have locations all over the city to where we had people who were, um, I guess you would say, counselors, teachers, professionals, educators, mm -hmm. media people, anybody who wanted to volunteer would be specially trained to de-escalate, mediate, and teach kids how to steer another way. Mm -hmm. And that was going to be staffed by volunteers. Uh, and that was just totally pushed aside. So there are some things that I think the citizens of the city needed to know. And that's, that's near and dear to my heart, what's happening to the youth in the city. Zip code 70501 contained most of the violence in the city. And contrary to popular belief, as soon as we saw a surge in violence back in May and June, mm -hmm. we started to attack it. And on the date that I was terminated, violent crime in the city of Lafayette was going down. The interim police chief on October 14th acknowledged that the new reports that came out after he took office showed that violent crime was going down. And uh, overall crime in the city of Lafayette is down. Property crime is way down. So there's this, this misnomer about crime just off the board. Mm -hmm. That's not the case. And sometimes I think I may have been held back on doing some of those things that I wanted to do mm -hmm. to deliberately probably create a situation where I would fail at. But uh, I worked 12, 14, sometimes 16. And in fact, one day I worked 21 hours straight uh, trying to make sure that this city was safe. And if nothing else happens, I want the city, uh, the citizens of the city to understand that I gave them every bit, every ounce of energy that I had to make this the greatest police department. And we're, we're good now, but you can go from good to better and you can go from better to great. Mm -hmm. I was looking to go great. And unfortunately, I was interrupted 10 months into it. And you came out of retirement. Yes. To take this, take on this task with the department that you clearly saw and targeted where the problems are and where you can make a difference. I did. Um, Lafayette is a mirror image on a smaller scale of what Dallas was 25, 30 years ago. We had some of the same issues, some of the same issues in policing. And the things that I was doing here in Lafayette mm -hmm. over time would have worked in Dallas. We had 10 straight years of double digit crime reduction because we switched to an entirely 100% community policing model. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted to do here. And I was resisted on it. Uh, and, and I think the experiences in Dallas uh, gave me a lot of comfort in knowing that they worked. And Dallas is not the only one. Uh, you go back and you look at the top 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 cities mm -hmm. in this country. Those that practice community policing are doing the best. And that's what I wanted to do for this city, is to bring us closer together, to bridge that gap. And we were well on our way to that point. 
So it sounds like uh, there were some things in place. You talk, uh, talked about uh, LCG, Lafayette government, um, not giving and the, the guidelines that, that are required uh, as, as performance evaluation. You, you briefly talked about that. You talked about being met with that small contingent in the police department being, were those the two, um, would you say, major roadblocks uh, for you at this point? And what do you hope going forward as we wrap things up? What well, would you like for the people of Lafayette to know? Number one, I think that the major roadblock for me was that I didn't get the support and the backing of the administration that hired me when I came here. I made a decision to move and relocate my family here after 40 years in one location. Uh, the people inside the department, mm -hmm. I could have dealt with that. In fact, had I been confirmed, you would have seen a group of those people leave. They were not, uh, in their minds, capable of working with me as the chief of police because I knew their game and they knew that I knew that their game was up. And so I could have dealt with that and I, I wish I'd had the ability to do that. But moving forward, I want to say that I'm still doing things in the community. I've worked, uh, pledged to work with a group of people to try to curb teen violence. Mm -hmm. I still would like to see that youth employment initiative put in place. Definitely over the holidays, we need to do something. We also need to do something starting next May, all the way up until next September during school, because the, the traditionally, the highest month for crimes are in the summertime mm -hmm. when school is out. And we saw that spike this year, but it wasn't uh, a, a, a spike that was dissimilar to what's happened in Lafayette. Mm -hmm. 2017 was a bad year yeah. for the city of Lafayette. Yeah. Uh, but at that time, the police chief didn't lose his job. And so I don't believe that it, it's accurate when people say that, well, the crime was up, that's why you were fired. That's not the case. There is no documentation, not a piece of paper anywhere that says that I didn't perform. And for the citizens of Lafayette, specifically from a legal point, there should always be documentation. There should be a paper trail. There should be something written saying Glover didn't do this, this, this. There is not a single bit of paper because I did everything I was supposed to be uh, doing. And so uh, I want the citizens to know that I love the city, I think you're great. Uh, what I'm doing, I'm speaking out, not as a bitter employee or a bitter former employee. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking out because I think if we don't push and put back in place some of the things that I started, that we are going to be in trouble shortly. I'll say it like that. Mm -hmm. I'm already hearing of things that are going on in the police department mm -hmm. that shouldn't be going on, that had I been there, I would have dealt with them immediately. Chief Glover, we thank you so much again for spending time with us and letting us uh, giving us the insight into um, what you are going through what you're experiencing what it means to lafayette uh, basically and of course we invite you to come back anytime thank you very much i appreciate yes. it we have been speaking again with the former lafayette police chief thomas glover who has recently filed an appeal uh, of the process of his termination and of course we will continue to follow that thanks so much for joining us for 10 talks acadiana 10 Talks Acadiana. Subscribe wherever podcasts are downloaded. A Nexstar Media Production.